Thank you for joining us and listening to this message from the Ministry of Grace Providence Church in Cerritos, California. For more information, visit our website at www.graceprovidencechurch.org. So let's read verses 13 to 20. This is Mark's account of it. This is recorded by Matthew's Gospel and Luke as well. Three of the Gospels record Jesus' parable of sore. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones who along the path where the word is sown, when they hear when they hear the word, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So that's the first soil. There's four soils. Verse 10, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns or weeds. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enters in and chokes the word and it proves unfruitful. Now, the fourth soil But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. So different harvests come from it. So this is really the parable about the sower, the seed, and the soils. These are the main features in this parable. Again, a parable, the idea of that word in the original means to put something side by side with something else in order to make a comparison. That's the meaning of the original word, translated parable. It's really Jesus' way of illustrating uh, spiritual truth, heavenly truth. He takes an earthly Scene, a common scene out of daily life or from nature. He makes it up. It's fictional. And, but based on something that can actually, that the hearers could relate to. And it was a farming society. So many of Jesus' stories and illustrations come out of agriculture. Things growing, things planted, and so on. But he uses many, many different parables. Now, you'll notice in the reading that there was an emphasis on hearing the word. Did you notice that? They hear the word. Each time the soil, the seed is sown in the soil, and these are they that hear the word with each one. 
And it's the productivity of the seed then that Jesus says depends on the kind of soil that the seed is sown in. It's very clear. It's a very simple story. We can all understand this. The children here can understand this with no problem. Jesus tells us that there are bad soils, and then there's this one good one that he talks about at the end. And this is the reason for the failure of uh, sowing, as well as the success. So, first of all, I want you to note verse 13, because this brings out the importance of this particular parable. Notice what he said. Jesus poses two questions. Do you not understand this parable? Now, he knew they didn't understand it. And without Jesus' interpretation, we may not understand it ourselves. You know, I thought, well, probably a lot of us relate to that question. When we read the Bible, we don't understand it oftentimes. Perhaps some of my sermons that I give go over your head like a flock of geese. And you don't understand it. Don't worry, the disciples have the same problem. It's not a problem, it's just our lack of understanding. And we need to be taught and grow in our understanding so that we we get it. But that's an important question that he poses. But notice the second one. How then will you understand all the parables? So the idea is that If you fail to understand this one, it's going to be difficult for you to understand the others. That's the kind of the negative side of that question. But the positive side is that this parable is a key that unlocks the meaning of others. So if you get a handle on this, and one of the things that's important to see in this parable is that many of the details of the parable have meaning. It's kind of like, it's almost an allegory. So it's not one single thing that we need to discover. Now it is bringing out a very important singular truth about the importance of hearing the word and our state and condition of mind and heart when we hear the word. That would be the underlying uh, importance of the parable. But notice that the details have meaning. So when you come to the parable of the prodigal son, for example, when the son leaves home and he's, he ends up with the hogs eating their food, I mean, all the details in that story have significance. And I think that's true of, of Jesus' stories in particular. So to me, that's a key to understanding the other parables, is that Many of the features in his story have significance. They have a meaning. So that's the importance of this parable. Right off, Jesus gives us the importance of it. Now let's come to his interpretation. So let me just say this. The sower represents somebody who proclaims the word of God. And, of course, this was Jesus himself. He is the sower. He was sowing seed in Israel with his teaching. 
But it applied to the apostles in their ministry. Because after he goes back to heaven, they were commissioned to carry on his work, which was principally in terms of proclaiming the word. This was their main business. Peter put it well in uh, Acts 6, that why should we wait on tables? Our business is to pray and to proclaim the word of God. And he gave that task to the deacons to take care of the widows. So sowing is part of what I do. I'm sowing the seed on Sunday morning to here in this church. Every preacher of the gospel is a sower. The sower went forth to sow, as we heard in the, the song from the 80s, from the all-saved freak band uh, that came out of the Jesus movement. I love that song. Now, the seed, clearly, is the Word of God. Uh, it's the teaching of Jesus, first and foremost. He was sowing his own teaching, which was God's Word. He told the disciples that what I'm telling you, the Father has told me. These are the words that the Father gave me. So he was sowing the Father's word, the Father's message. Or we could say he was preaching the gospel. There's many ways to look at it, but it comes right down to the word of God, the Bible, the teaching of Jesus This is the sower's task, is to sprinkle this word around, to get it out, expose people to it. And it comes verbally. This is how it's done. It has to be spoken or read, but spoken primarily is the task. Now the soils, the soils kind of bring together a couple ideas. The soils define the, the state and condition of a person's heart and mind, but also because of the state and condition of their heart, how they choose to receive the seed. So it, it, it depicts their response, the response to hearing the word. Remember Jesus' emphasis when he told the parable earlier in the chapter, in the first bit of the parable, and at the end, he uses twice the word that is translated, listen, and let those that have ears to hear, let them hear. Same word in the original, listening, hearing, this is the emphasis, it's the idea of listening attentively. Not just letting it go in one ear and out the other. This is, Jesus is talking about really tuning in. So one hears with understanding, takes it in, takes it seriously. So that is the the bookends of the parable itself. And the parable is all about hearing. Hearing the word. So this is the emphasis and what our response is to the word that's important. So now let's look at it specifically. Let's look at these soils. So the first one, very simple, 
to understand is the, the seed is scattered along the path. And the path, apparently, Jesus is referring to the stretches of soil or ground that were around the field where people walked. So the soil was uh, packed down, that was, the ground was hard because people have been walking on it. But as the sower is in the field, just indiscriminately throwing his seed out, some of the seed falls on, that, on those paths that are on the border of the field. Because the ground is hard, the seed just sits on the surface. It doesn't penetrate into the soil. Very simple picture. But notice that in the story, when Jesus tells it, he says, the birds come immediately and they, birds like to eat seed. <laughs> they love seeds. So these seeds are immediately devoured by the birds. They don't have a chance to penetrate the ground. No one is there to cultivate it. But notice what Jesus says those birds are. This is intensely interesting. Because it, it kind of gives us an insight as to what's happening, happening in the spiritual world inside this building on Sunday morning, as well as every other place. Jesus says that because it is sown on this path, the word is sown, but immediately when they hear this, the hearer hears the word, Satan immediately comes and takes it away. So th this is what Jesus is describing. He's describing somebody who hears the word of God, but they just, they don't take it in. They're, it just doesn't penetrate. It's not getting, it's not getting through for whatever reason. It's not received. And so that sermon, that Bible reading, that teaching that was heard, just it's removed from their thoughts. It's gone. Because the enemy of our soul is there, ever-present, to snatch it. Snatch those potential seeds of the Word of God that were there for a person. This is a sad situation, but I'm afraid there's a lot of people like that in every church. They're faithful to go to church and to hear sermon after sermon after sermon, but when they leave the church, that sermon has made no dent, has made no impression. They're still the same person, unmoved, untouched by it. So the enemy is there to take it away. This is the unresponsive here, we could say. They hear it, but there's no real response. It, it doesn't make any difference to them. Now, the next ground that is described is completely the opposite. Notice, secondly, the ones that are sown on rocky ground. So this is, Jesus described this as there's a, a thin layer of soil and the seed penetrates it easily. But because there's rock underneath, it cannot grow a good root system. 
to sustain that plan. I'm, I'm telling you now the parable when Jesus described it. This is how he's describing it. And he says that this plant, this little sprout that comes up, it comes up immediately, almost like Jonah's gourd that grew in a night, if you remember the story of Jonah. So this plant immediately comes up, but the heat of the sun is just too much. This little plant can't survive the heat of the sun. Now, as Jesus interprets this for us, notice what he says. These are the ones who, they hear the word, they immediately receive it. And boy, does this look like a promising convert. They get excited with what they hear. They immediately embrace it. They take it in. But notice that Jesus says, and they receive it with joy. But here's the problem. They have no root in themselves. Remember, there's two two important things about the plant. What's above the ground as well as what's under the ground. Maybe the what's under the ground is more important than anything. Got to have a good root system. So that would kind of indicate that this is a superficial reception of the word. Um, a shallow reception. Maybe that's, they don't quite understand everything. They, they don't have this nice root system, this real con- deep conviction of the truth. You know, for in the Christian life, there's that which you see that's above ground and that which, you, which is under the ground that people don't see. It's kind of hidden from everybody. But that would have to do with one's prayer life, one's Bible reading, perhaps, one's conviction of what the truth is, conviction of sin, love for Jesus. These are some of the things that would be important to a good root system, having that root in yourself, having depth of root. And then what is above the ground is what other people see. I see you on Sunday morning, you're here, you're faithful, you pray, you teach, and those are the, the plant above the ground. So Jesus is saying there's something missing in the lives of these people that are like thin layer of soil, but rock underneath, immediately receive the word with joy. That is, they become believers. They believe for a while, Jesus says. They endure for a while. So they might persevere. There's many people that we've seen throughout the years who make professions of faith. They claim to be a Christian, and then sometime later, they're not to be found in the church. They're, they've kind of turned their back on it. They've walked away. They're not interested in it anymore. Perhaps you've encountered people like this. So this, kind of, this is the person Jesus is describing. Those who are temporary believers. But they lack the root system. They endure for a while. A temporary faith cannot endure. What, is, what does the sun, the scorching heat of the sun stand for in Jesus' interpretation? He says, 
They endure for a while, but then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So here he's explaining what the sun is in the parable. Well, they can't endure the pressure of trials in life or some persecution that comes because of their, uh, their professing faith now in Christ. And they are made fun of in the workplace or at school or they just find some opposition to their Christianity. And they're kind of like, oh, I've had enough of this. I, don't, I, I really don't want to deal with this. I, I want to be friends with everybody. I don't want any enemies. Any number of reasons could make a person then walk away. So they fall away. That is, they become what we call in theology apostates. They become an apostate. That's a person who is once professing a religious belief and then they come to deny it, walk away from it, or fall away. That's a serious uh, thing when one becomes an apostate. See, what the Bible teaches is that the true Christian is marked by continuing in the faith. We call this persevering in the faith, continuing, not giving up, not turning your back, not walking away from Jesus. Remember when the Lord Jesus Christ was teaching in John chapter 6 and he had a, a large crowd of people. But after they heard the seriousness of his teaching, it says, they all, they all went away. They walked away from him. And only his immediate apostles were left. And he says, are you going to go away also? And Peter spoke up for the rest and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. That's the conviction you need to have in order to persevere in the faith. You have to see it like that. Lord, who, where are we going to go if we walk away from the Lord Jesus Christ? To whom are we going to go? What other option do we have in this world to give us hope for the future? C.H. Spurgeon says that their faith evaporated under trials. That's a good way to put it. Their faith just under trials. Somebody else said that trials expose a hypocrite, somebody that's not sincere, but they also exhibit a saint. Trials, pressures in life, difficulty, they either will show us to be phony and fake in our profession, or it'll bring out the reality of our faith because we continue to believe and trust and continue uh, to follow Christ even when things get difficult. Remember the sad words of Paul in his last letter, 2 Timothy chapter 4? He's in prison. He's awaiting his death. And he describes his situation. He's asking Timothy to come quickly. He's, he was all alone, except he said, Luke is with me. But then he says concerning a former colleague that ministered alongside with him by the name of Demas. He says of Demas, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. So there's a temporary believer, New Testament example of a temporary believer, Demas. Okay, let's pass on to the third soil. The third is 
the ones that are sown among thorns or weeds. That is a completely different picture. And you're going to realize that there's a progression here. He says, these are those who hear the word. Again, it's a hearing the word. What is the response to the word? They hear the word, but... And then he names three things that suffocate the word. They crowd the word out of the person's life. We all have to be careful of this. In the age in which we live, the cares of this world, we have many cares. Everybody has cares, some more than others. Some seem to lead, lead, uh, lead a carefree life, but I don't know, maybe not for long. Something will happen that will change all of that. But Jesus, there's nothing wrong with the cares of this life. We all have them. We can't avoid them. You have to work. You have to make money. You have a family to take care of. You've got to pay your bills. You've got to find a place to live. And all the other things that are cares of this world. And Jesus adds to that the deceitfulness of riches. And this is talking about the seduction of riches. Nothing wrong with riches. Abraham was rich. There's, there were many rich people in the Bible that God blessed with riches. It's not riches that's the problem. It's what the temptations that come with being rich. And here... It's translated the deceitfulness of riches. Now, it gives us one angle on riches that riches promise people think who want to attain wealth, they think, I'm going to be happy if I can become a millionaire, whatever. But there's, there's deceitfulness in that because you won't be. I heard somebody say on Shark Tank, I do watch that on Friday night, I it's interesting to me because these are all wealthy people that are trying to enter into uh, negotiating deals with others who have products and things they want to sell and they need their help. But one lady said, on the, uh, one of the sharks said, said, I'm no happy, she's a multimillionaire, she said, I'm no happy, something that stuck with me, Bar- Barbara, you know who I'm talking about, the older lady. She said, I'm no happier now than when I was dirt poor. And she's worth $100 million. Remember, David Geffen was asked that, who's a billionaire, and put up the money, a lot of the money for the UCLA hospital and the medical center that's dedicated to Ronald Reagan. He, uh, he was asked once if he was happy uh, as a billionaire, and he said, you've never been wealthy, have you? And he was implying, no, it doesn't make you any happier. So this is the deceitfulness of riches. They promise happiness, but they're very disappointing. But another translation is beware of the seduction of it, which goes hand in hand with its deceitfulness. There is something seductive about wealth. We've got to be on our guard against it. And then he adds, just sort of covers all 
other things when Jesus says, besides the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. And the word desires there is the word for lust in the New Testament. The inordinate desire for other things. Things being materialism. I, I would read into that. These, these are the things that preoccupy the thoughts and the time and the pursuits of many, many people. This is what their life is all about, these very things. So Jesus said they, they stand in the way of hearing the word with profit. They suffocate the word. They crowd the word out. And Jesus says that the plant becomes unfruitful. Now what that tells me, I see a a progression uh, beyond the rocky ground here. Look at what Jesus is saying. First, he's developing this. There's a real sequence to it. Seed that sits on top of the soil and goes nowhere. It's just taken away. Then, in the second one, a little plant grows. But the root system is lacking, so it it withers away. But now with this one, he's saying a plant develops, but it just doesn't reach maturity. It it proves unfruitful. So there's a plant present, but because of all these weeds, these other things that just stifle the growth and maturity of this plant, it, it just can't reach maturity. Now let's come to the fourth soil. Notice three bad ones. Three bad ones, but they're they're descriptive of Jesus knows exactly what he's talking about. He's describing the different responses of people to the Word of God here. The different states of mind and heart when we hear the Word. So the good one it only takes one verse to explain it. They hear they, the good soil, he describes now as those who hear the word, same as all the others. They're hearing the word. But Jesus adds, and they accept it. The original word means they welcome it. They welcome it. So they're kind of like the rocky ground here who immediately receives the word with joy. So they look possibly like that soil at the beginning. But the difference is, is that this plant grows, it develops, matures, and bears fruit. And Jesus describes the, har- the different harvests that come from it. The, uh, the, the verbs that Jesus uses are in the present tense uh, here. So they are hearing the word, they're accepting the word, and they're bearing fruit. The present tense, as we know, we've said it many times in the original language, the emphasis of the present tense is continuous action. It's ongoing. 
So they're, bear, they're hearing it ongoing. They're accepting it ongoing and bearing fruit ongoing. So again, this, this brings out what I said a moment ago about the importance of persevering, continuing as a believer. It's, it's not going to work to believe for a while and to fall away and then become an apostate. I remember a man that I worked with, I probably told you about him in the past. This was a long time ago. He was, he had been a deacon in the church. There's no exaggeration. He, he named all the things that he did to me. He was a deacon. He sang in the choir and he taught Sunday school. And he was going to church almost every night of the week for something. He was an older man, much older. He could have been my father. And he went to his pastor once and told him, you know, this is what I'm doing. And, and the pastor said, well, why don't you just quit going to church for a while? Bad counsel. Bad counsel. And he stopped and never went back. And he, in my view, was an apostate. But he thought he was still saved. Because he had made some profession of faith in the past. But see, he wasn't continuing. Now, he didn't have to continue as a Sunday school teacher. He didn't have to continue singing in the choir. That's not what I mean. But the fact that he walked away from it, all of it, turned his back on it, this is where his falling away became evident. It was really not continuing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. We have to continue in the faith. And notice that Jesus says that some of followers of Christ are 30-fold converts. Think of this. Some are 60-fold. That has to do with how abundant the harvest is that comes from the growth of this plant in the fourth soil. See, not all converts are the same, fruitful-wise. There should be fruit in the life of all Christians. The fruit of the Spirit should be evident. But there's other kinds of fruit. There's the fruit of, that comes from ministry. Jesus told the disciples, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you to go and to bear much fruit and that your fruit should remain, John 15, 16. Not all disciples of Jesus are fruit bearers in the sense of the original apostles. There are different degrees of fruitfulness. So that means uh, we, all, we, we all differ. There's, there's different degrees of fruitfulness among believers. So don't think to yourself, well, I'm not as fruitful as so-and-so, therefore I'm an inferior Christian or something like that. No, you don't need to conclude that. That doesn't mean you're inferior. God has just not designed you particularly to be fruit, a fruit bearer like some others. The fact that we bear any fruit at all in our life is a work of His grace. 
And fruitfulness, I believe, also probably has a future reference because when Jesus talks about harvest, oftentimes he has the future in view because that's the ultimate harvest is the one in the future on the last day. And his servants will be rewarded according to their works. So let me sum this up with a few points in closing. So there, there's many enemies and obstacles that are in the way to hinder the sowing of the word. This comes out. When you look at it, three quarters, I mentioned it last week, three quarters of the soils are bad. <laughs> it's very real. This is the way it is. Three quarters of the soil are unproductive. Three quarters, it's a three quarters fail rate. So there's, there's much to sometimes get discouraged about when we're trying to sow the seed. That hinders people from hearing the word. Right. So that's, that's the negative. The, let's just admit that there can be some discouragements along the way. But here's, here's the great encouragement. There will always be a small minority that responds the right way, that receives the word and becomes fruitful, always. I like what is recorded of Paul's ministry when he went to Athens. The whole city was given over to idolatry, and he acknowledged it. And he had the opportunity to address an interesting audience of philosophers up on Mars Hill, still can go there apparently, it's still there, the spot where Paul preached in Acts 17. And he gave an amazing sermon to a philosophical audience. And it was all about God, the God of the Bible, the whole sermon. And when he came to the end, he started to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when he got to the resurrection, that ended it for his view, his listeners. They didn't want to hear any more. And so the sermon ends there, but the last verses of Acts 17 says, and when they heard the resurrection, some mocked, others said, we'll hear you again about this. So notice the variety of listeners that he had and their responses to the word. So those, those are both negative some that came right out and mocked him about this teaching of resurrection from the dead. But, Dr. Luke adds, but some joined Paul and believed. And he names them, a man and a woman, Dionysius and Damaris, became believers from that sermon. There it is. This is what Jesus is saying Many people are not going to get it. They're not going to hear the word profitably. They won't benefit from it. Something will block its entrance into their heart. But there will always be some good soil. There will be a minority that believe. So the word of God is never sown in vain is what that tells me. The results are in God's hands. 
And then I just want to say to all of us, and myself included, let us all be in this church, let us be among those that belong to the good soil here. So that when we hear the word of God, we receive it with joy. We welcome it. We respond to it. We let it sink into our heart. We let it shape us and form us into what God wants us to be. That's the kind of hearer you want to be. And let me read these verses to just put the cap on this. James 1, 21 and 22. James says to receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Wow, what a word. Or Paul in Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Listen to that. What a great statement. What, a, what guidance from the Apostle Paul. That's it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Not just come for a quick visit. <laughs> Make the word of Christ a home in your heart to dwell in you richly. And then finally, what the Lord Jesus Christ himself said in his great high priestly prayer in John 17, praying for his apostles who were going to go into the world, Jesus says, he's speaking to the Father, and he says, I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and they have come to know in truth that I came from you, And have believed that you sent me. Great word from Jesus about his own apostles and the truth that he gave them from God himself. Thank you for joining us and listening to this message from the Ministry of Grace Providence Church in Cerritos, California. For more information, visit our website at www.graceprovidencechurch.org.